Now, what I want to do, what I want to do today is take you, take you into the word of God today. Lead you into the word of God. Now, the message, the message that I'm going to be talking about today, uh, I'm going to be talking about look inside the holy of holies. That's what I want to do today. Look inside the holy of holies. Now remember, we are talking about the temple of God. Now, and the reason why I'm saying this is because in the old covenant, you could not look inside of the holy of holies. But today, we're going to go on a journey. We're going to look inside the holy of holies. And what I want is to ask you, what did you see? Now we saw all of this happen with Mary Magdalene. When she came to the temple that day, she looked inside and she told them what she saw. Today I want you to look inside because I want to know what do you see. So that's going to be my message. Look inside the Holy of Holies. Now, last week, we talked about uh, the temple of God, and we dealt with part 9 and part 10. I said uh, something else, but it's really part 9 and part number 10. And then I talked about last week, Christ, the new temple. Last week, say it with me, Christ, the new temple. Right. And we showed you that. Let's go that. We're going to start off with it. Well, let me give you my subject and where I'm going to be taking my, my teaching from today. I'm going to give you my subject and then where are we going to be taking our teaching from today. All right. Uh, uh, let's, let's go to that, first of all, uh, because we want to show you that in God's word. Uh, let's go to. I'm going to do Hebrew chapter 9. I'm going to start off there with Hebrew chapter 9. And I'm going to show you the first four verses. Hebrew chapter 9, and then I'm going to take you where I need to go. Hebrew chapter 9. Now, these chapters that I'm giving you uh, is going to be a part of my testimony today as I minister the word of God. Hebrew chapter number 9. And we're going to look at verse 1. I've been, I've been reading on this because I'm showing you the worldly sanctuary. Say that with me. We are, we are looking at the worldly sanctuary. Right. Now, the reason we know it's worldly, because the word worldly means earthly and natural. All right. Otherwise, these are types and shadows. See, you're in the, you're in the New Testament now. You're in the dispensation of grace. In the dispensation of grace... You can't worship God with anything natural. Let me say it again. In the dispensation of grace, you can't worship God with anything natural. Everything has to be spiritual, otherwise invisible. Amen? All right. So that's why I said when God began to show me these things, I knew then that I couldn't use the table that we have to serve communion anymore. Now, now, do you know why now? 
let me ask you again. We cannot use anything natural. I'm giving you the answer ahead of time, then I'm asking you the question. All right, it's not trick. All right, so anything that we use, if I go back here and use the water baptism, what am I doing? I'm using something natural. You can't use anything natural anymore to worship God. We went over that because we showed you in, in, in the gospel of St. John that God is a spirit and they that worship him must Worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, if you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth, you cannot use a natural communion table. That's not spirit. How many know what spirit is? God is spirit. It's not heart. All right. So you can't worship God anymore unless you worship him in spirit. You got to be in God and you got to be in truth. Got to be in the word of God. All right. You can't use natural things anymore. You can't use Old Testament types and shadows. So that's why I want to read Hebrew chapter 9, verse 1. Then verily, everybody ought to be there by now. Then verily, the first covenant had ordinances. Now that word in your Bible, you got a pretty decent Bible, it says ceremonies. Of divine service. And a worldly sanctuary. See, this is what people are doing in churches. That's what we were doing. We were still trying to worship God with worldly service. Then in verse 2 said, for there was, now everything is past tense. There was a tabernacle made, the first tabernacle, wherein was the candlestick. See, all these things have been revealed now. We talked about that last week. We know what the candlestick is now. It's the church. And the table of showbread. See, that's what we had when we were serving communion. That was the table of showbread which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Now, now that's where we're going to look into today. The holiest of holiest, which had, past tense, already been fulfilled, the golden censer. He's telling you everything that was in that tabernacle which was the Holy of Holies, it had golden censer. That golden censer was a table where people offered up incense of prayers. And the Ark of the Covenant, and we're going to deal with the Ark of the Covenant a little bit, overlaid round about with pure gold, wherein was the golden, he's telling you now what was in the Ark. Now, that verse you got to hold on to because you're going to need it the rest of the te this teaching. Wherein was the golden pot that had manna. Now, you got to understand, manna was in the pot. They, when they put the, the, the manna in the pot, the, the manna didn't rot because they put the word in there to keep the manna. Now, that's awesome stuff. And then it says, Aaron's rod that budded. So they started from the, the bottom and worked their way to the top. Really, it was a table of covenant. Aaron's rod that budded and then the golden pot that had the manna. Now, all of this was inside of the ark. And then it says in verse 5, and it, over it were cherubim. Now, you want to underline that word because we want to get into that today. Cherubims. Say that with me. Cherubim. It was cherubims. Over it was cherubims. That was over it, okay? And then the next verse says, 
the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat. Say it with me. Shadowing the mercy seat. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. We shadowing the mercy seat. Of which we cannot now speak particularly. All right, now, I'm going I'm to stop right there. Now, that's, that's what I want to give you for as Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to use that for my, for my subject today. All right. Now, I'm talking about look inside the Holy of Holies is what we're going to do today. I want to make sure you do that. Now, now, the reason why we want to do this is because, remember, we are talking about the temple. And so to be able to do that, we're going to have to talk about everything that's in the temple. So I showed you what was in the temple. Now, remember, that's why I taught the, the teaching before this one. Christ is the temple. Now, the Bible would say also you are the temple of God. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. Now, let's go, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to pick it up there and we're going to come forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 told us, Paul been talking about all the way through this teaching. Put this in your notes. We'll go there next. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9. You are God's God. I'm going to put that in your notes. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. This is what we taught last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start off there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is ministering to the church. He said, we know that if our earthly house, which we know that's flesh now, of this tabernacle, we know the tabernacle, the soul, was dissolved. So if the outside house, which is the flesh, is dissolved, we have a building of God, that's Christ. That's why I talked on that, Christ is the new temple. It's the new temple where my soul lives. Say it with me, Christ, Christ. is the new temple where my soul lives. All right, now, you're gonna, we're gonna show you something a little later on. I'm gonna say this in case I don't say it earlier. This is why Christ died without and was buried outside of Jerusalem because he said destroy this temple in three days I would raise it up again so when he was raised from the dead he was raised outside of the gates of Jerusalem see you have to know what Jerusalem was it was the city of the living God it was where the old temple was and when Christ raised from the dead Christ is the new temple. See, don't try to figure it out. Just believe and God will show it to you. That's the only way you're going to get it. You try to say, well, what is he talking about? You won't get it. You just believe and then God show you. All right, that's how you get things in the spirit realm. So we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All right, verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle was destroyed or dissolved, we have. Not going to have. If you're born again, you have Christ in you now. And he is the building of God, and he is the house not made with hands. And he told you where Christ is. He's eternal in the heavens. Now, you have to understand that word heavens because that's where you come in at. So you're saying Christ is in you, and then God said Christ is in heaven. 
but you don't put the two together. If Christ in you and Christ in heaven, Christ has to be in you. See, what you, what you got to catch on to is there's Jesus, the man, and then there's Christ, the spirit. Now, see, these things you need to write down in your book. If you're going to ever learn this Bible, you, you have the teacher if you could be the student. So Israel was waiting for Jesus to come back. Why? Because Jesus was their salvation. So you're not waiting for Jesus because Jesus is not your salvation. Christ is. See, if you can really understand the word of God, like I said, you have to just believe it, take notes, get home, play the tape, listen to it again tomorrow. We have provided for you on, we even leave it on another day or so on, on Facebook. And then we also put it on the podcast for you have it forever. But we can't make you look at it. Because if you don't look at it, you won't know it. And you have the same problem I had all my life. I did not know the Bible. Because I didn't have anybody to teach me. You have somebody to teach you. Please learn why you have somebody to teach you. All right. Now, watch this. If our earthly house, he told you where, where your heavenly house is. It's eternal in the heavens. Hello, good morning, heavens. See, we have to understand who we are. If you're not the heavens, wait a minute, let me move on. And then it says in verse 2, for this we groan honestly. Now watch, Paul is talking about himself. For this we groan honestly, desiring to be closed up on. So otherwise, that's what it means by faith. Said by faith. Said the Jews, salvation was by faith. Salvation by faith means he hadn't come yet. So they had to receive everything by faith. Christ hadn't come yet. Their salvation hadn't come yet. So they had to receive their salvation how? By faith. I want you to put a scripture. We're going to come right back to this verse. We'll put a scripture on, on, on the board and it's going to say Ephesians 3.17. See those two words. See there are some things I said to you. If you don't learn these things, you'll never know the word. And one of them is Romans 3.30. Romans 3.30 talks about two things, by faith and through faith. Your salvation is through faith. Your salvation is not by faith. And to, to know the difference means your salvation is already present. They had to, to live by faith because Christ had not come back. So they had to believe it, receive it by faith. But they didn't have it. They only had faith. That's why the gospel that was preached to them was just faith. But your salvation is through faith. You have it now. Whatever Christ is, you have today. All right, that's what you understand. That's through faith. All right. Now you need to write that down because I'm really going to be hard on you on this one, okay? Because I'm giving you some keys that it took me 
35 years probably, 40 years in ministry to get. A lot of time. A lot of things. All right, now I'm, I gave you what verse to go to. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. That's why in, this, in our storehouse we provide Bibles, pencil, paper, note, tablet, because in here you're going to need it. You're not going to be able to keep up. It's just like going to school with no book. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Now, all of that's good. Matter of fact, I'm going to back back and restart reading verse 14. I'm going to take my time and read this. Ephesians chapter 3. Let you get your close up there, sir. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. For this cause, Paul says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth, see the whole family, watch this, in heaven and in earth, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Here to go. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, how? Now, if Christ dwelled in their hearts by faith, then we must understand all I need to do is change that word by faith and put through faith, right? Because Christ is in me now. But because they were waiting for Christ, he had to dwell in their hearts by faith. Now, how many can see it now? So what do by faith mean? They had to believe God ahead of time before he returned. See, it was just like Moses was in the mountain. See, they had to believe without, without even having him there. But Christ, you, you, you have Christ in you. That's why Paul preached Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27, right? Where's Christ? He's in me. But he was not in them. Their salvation was coming. See, that's why when you read 1 Peter, he talked about the salvation Jesus Christ reserved in heaven for them. They were waiting for Christ to return. That's why you, if you will learn what I'm saying, you will know by the word that you are not waiting for Christ to return because that means if you do, you're living by faith. That means you do not have the spirit. You believe you'll get your salvation when Christ comes back. So if you listen to most people try to preach you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, they'll tell you that you know, he'll come, he'll go to the grave and he'll get you out the grave and raise you from the dead and all this stuff. Here. That's not your salvation. You was not saved by faith. That's what Christ did with them when he came back. We'll meet the Lord in the air. You got Christ now, you're not in the air yet. <laughs> See, if you listen to this, you know it's not talking to you, okay? All right, now, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, one more time. It said that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. How many can see that? By faith. By faith means he had not returned yet. That you being rooted and grounded in love. See, they had not retained it yet. By faith means because Christ, they had not retained Christ yet. They didn't have Christ in their hearts yet. They were waiting for salvation. Let me show you that in 1 Peter. I, I can't just say you're going to go to 1 Peter one day and look at it. I'm just going to have to do it for you. If I do it for you now, you'll turn to first Peter. All right. Yeah, Pastor, we'll go to first Peter. 
First Peter chapter one. Let's go down and read verse number eight. First Peter chapter one, verse eight. See, this is their salvation. Remember, Peter did not minister to you. Peter ministered to the Jews and some Gentiles that came to Cornelius' house. All right, here we go. First Peter chapter one, verse eight. Whom in heaven, whom having not seen, this is what it means by faith. We love. We haven't seen him, but we love him. Though now we see him not, yet believing. How many can see what I'm saying now? He, they was waiting for him. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith. What did they receive? They received faith. God dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's what he gave them. Receiving the end of your faith, what their faith was for, even the salvation of their soul. So they had to have their faith when Christ returned. When he returns, shall I find faith on earth. So the, if, they, if they didn't believe anymore, they fell from grace. They went back. How many can see what I'm saying now? So God came here in flesh and preached to them. They touched him. They felt him. They saw him. And all they had to do was hold on to their confidence without waving until Christ returned. See, that wasn't you. So he said to them, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. So it couldn't be your salvation. Because your salvation, the prophet knew nothing about it. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied. Your salvation wasn't prophesied. Of the grace that should come to you. He's talking to Jews. See, our salvation wasn't prophesied. Nobody knew it. It was a mystery. It was revealed to the Apostle Paul. Searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. Under whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported to you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Verse 13, last verse. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Hope to the end. See, that's, that's not you. This is what people are trying to do. Well, you know, we're living in the last days. Last days of what? There are no last days of grace. Hope to the end. Hope to the end. What were they hoping for? For the grace, we already got grace. How many got grace in here? Yeah. Exactly. We are in a dispensation of grace. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you. See, grace will come when Christ returns. Grace that will be brought to you when? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Christ returns, they will get grace. Now get the Lord a big hand. You'll never forget that. 
All right. Now, let's go where now? First, did I say First Corinthians 3, 9? I don't know if I said anything else, but I remember that one. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians, but let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3, 9 and, and come forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 9. I just want to show you something. We've been, we've been continuing to, to talk about this. You have to know what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about the church. He's showing the church, you're the body of Christ. So when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he'll tell you, you are the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he's telling you, you are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you are the temple of God. 2 Corinthians 6, you are the temple of God. How many believe he want to talk about the temple of God in Corinth? Because that's the church. The book of Corinth is talking about who you are. As the church, the tabernacle, the temple, the house of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we want to go to verse 9, start out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For, you are, for we are labored together with God. You are God's husbandry. Now we want to make sure you put there, you are God's church. Or you want to put this way. You are God's temple. Wait, that's not the word I want to use. You are God's garden. See, all those words are good, but I want the word garden. Now, the reason why I want the word garden, because I want to show you that that's where Adam was put out of. So to say Adam was put out of the garden. Now we talk, we're not talking about any man. We're talking about Adam. Adam is a type of Christ. So when Eve, the woman, ate, the woman is Adam's soul. The word soul means woman. So when Adam woman, so that's why when you read the Psalms, find this for me, honey, if you like to, it says, my soul make her boast in the Lord. Well, well, who make her boast? See, the word soul mean woman. So when Adam soul, Adam woman, ate of the tree of neither good and evil, she got Adam, her and Adam put out the garden. How many can see what I'm saying? Amen. All right. Adam was put out the garden. We're not talking about any man. We're talking about Adam. Adam is a perfect picture of Christ himself. Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2. Go through the screen. Put it on the screen. Psalm 34, verse 1 and 2. You enjoying the word so far? Psalms, what, 34? We're just going to look at the first two verses. You want, you want to, you can mark these two in your Bible. But I want to show you the word her. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise. You probably hear me say this verse more than anything I ever say. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Wonder why the soul is saying that. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. My soul shall hear and be glad. So your soul's supposed to hear the words. That's why you have to quiet your soul. 
so your soul can hear the word. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered my soul, delivered me from all my fears. All right. Now that's, that's the soul. All right. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Those things you can make, mark in your Bible. So if I say again, where in the Bible does it say my soul shall make her boast in the Lord? You all might have got that. Psalm 34.2, Pastor, right? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, you are God's husbandry. You are God's building. I'm doing another teaching here, so I got to get out of there. But I was showing you, you're God's God. Amen. All right. Now, let's go uh, into the word of God, because I want to take you uh, to Exodus chapter 25. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to pick up chapter 24 first. And then we're going to look at 25. I want to show you chapter 25 first. And let's, go, let's go to 25 first. 25 first and look at 8 and 9 and 10. Now what, what I want to show you in chapter 8, 9 and 10 is once God built the ark. I'm sorry. Once Moses built the sanctuary, built the tabernacle. What the first piece of furniture did he have to build or make, and where was it? If, you, if I ask you any question, it's pretty much going to be your subject. Look inside of the Holy of Holies. So where's the first piece of furniture going to be at? It's not hard to give you the answer, then I ask you the question. If you understand your pastor by now, I don't be trying to trap you. I give you the answer, then I ask you the question. That's how Jesus always taught. All right. Here we go. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary. Now all this stuff that he told you in chapter number 25 for them to bring, but the purpose of bringing all this was to make God a sanctuary and what was the purpose of the sanctuary that I may dwell among them now when you when you saw the tabernacle uh, it had an outer court but then it had two rooms together and those two rooms together was called the sanctuary which is the holy place and then the holy of holies how many have any idea what I'm saying how many have no idea what I'm saying it's a two-room house. You know what a two-room house is? If you go to a house, I don't care which way you turn it, it's going to have two rooms. Right? So you can't say, well, it's in the back. No, two rooms. All right. But this house was uh, built towards the east. The Holy of Holies was built first towards the east. And back towards the west, you built the second part, which was called the Holy Place. The holy place was the church. He joined the church, the holy place, to the holy of holies. And then there was a veil, a thick curtain that separated 
the two rooms. So if I walk in here and if I came over here and I say, okay, then I'm going inside. I just left them outside. I mean, I'm within the walls, but I'm inside and I'm leaving everything that's brass because we're going to get on that. Everything behind me is brass. There's a bra brazen laver, which was called a baptism pool. Then that was the brazen altar where Christ died and was crucified. All brass. So we know what brass means in this church. Because I told all, all the people I passed last week. And I know some good folks wrote it down. Brass means judgment. So you need to write down. You got a Bible gave you a lot of pages with nothing on it. Wonder why I did that. The word brass mean what? Judgment. So out, if, if you're still baptizing, you are still outside the church. You never come into church yet. Water baptism means what? Judgment. So that's why outside they had a brazen laver. They had a brazen altar. That's why Christ died and buried it. And then that's where the priest washed out. They washed there because they had to judge themselves, judge themselves before they go into the presence of the Lord. And that's what people think they're doing today. No, 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 no. All this has been fulfilled. So then when they went in, the first room they would go into would be the holy place. Now in the holy place, you had three pieces of furniture, which we're not talking about today. So we're going to pass right through the holy place to the second part, which is the first thing they built, which is the holy, holy. Everybody understand that? They built the holy, holy first, then they came back on this side and they added to it the holy, the holy place. Holy, holy, holy place. That's where God room, this is where the church room. The Levites can go in this part because it was the church. It had candlesticks, it had an altar, it had showbread that he had to replace every day. But then once he passed here, he had to stop because there was a curtain where God was. How many can see what I'm saying? You live in a two-room house, this ain't hard. All right. So once you go to the next curtain, only the high priest could go in there once a year. So that's where God was, and it's called the Holy of Holies. Well, in that room, they had... The first thing they built was the Ark of the Covenant, of the Ark of the Testament, of the Ark that, uh, of God, Ark of the Lord. They call it a different thing. But it's where it was like a casket. Well, God, I wonder, can I get my casket today? Where's Miss Teresa? Can I get my, my casket there pulled over here? But I don't want the flowers on the top. Okay, so you can leave the other thing up there. Uh, on the top of it. So you're gonna, they're going to come out and I'm going to bring it around here. This is going to be the ark. You're going to help them out, Minister Lewis? Thank you. Now, we got, we got to see something. The ark is a chest. Write this down. Definition of what ark. A chest. Or a casket. Or a coffin. You should get the message by now. I don't have to call Moon Funeral Home and Cobb to tell you what that is yet. Now, you know what they are now, right? 
Now, how many can tell me what that is now? I just told you. Gave you three definitions. That's it right there. Hold it. That's good. I'm going to sit behind it, so that's good. What is, what is that? All right. So this, this is what this represented. So an ark, I gave you the definition of the word ark. I say it's a chest. I say it's a casket. I say it is a coffin. What do you do with this? Now, some of y'all looking at me, and we have funerals every, and you don't know what I do with this? Praise God. See, if you know what I'm teaching you, you know what already happened, and you know why you can't be saved except you believe in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. There's no salvation. I can't be saved by water baptism because it's brazen, it's, it's judged my flesh. It did nothing for my soul. See, Christ's blood was shed to, to wash away the sins of my soul so I can come in, into this place. This place, this first place I'm going to teach you about, everything was gold. But I'm not teaching it today. I'm moving over here to the first thing they built here was the Ah, let's go to verse 29. I gave you three definitions. You ought to think of one of them. Uh, Exodus 25 and verse number 10. So God said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And they right? And make it after the pattern that I showed you in the mount. All right, now let's look at verse number 10. And they shall make an ark. We're in Exodus chapter 25, verse 10. Are you there? And they shall make an ark, A-R-K, of shitting wood. See this wood? That's what it is. This is original. Uh, what I mean by that, we paid plenty of money to get this made from the church we went to, which was the Jewish synagogue. So the people of the Jewish people made this for me, for us. That's why it's so pretty, and it'll last forever. And if you notice, everything we have is made of the same wood. Look at your chair. Look at your doors. Look at your church. It was built to last forever. That's why they cost so much. Somebody ought to get a Lord some praise. Thank you. All right. Now watch this. In verse number 10, and they shall make an ark of shittin' wood and he gave you the dimension. I'm not going there. Let's go to verse 16. Same chapter, verse 16, we're going to start reading. And he says, and thou shalt put into the ark three things that go into the ark. They're going to put into the ark the testimony. Now the testimony is the Ten Commandments and the commandment that God gave Moses, two tablets of stone. The first tablet of stone God wrote them and man broke them and God, Moses broke them because people had turned to idolatry. So he had to go back into the mountain 40 days and 40 nights and when he did that, Moses had to write the next one. God only wrote one. And thou shalt put into the ark of the testimony which I shall give thee and thou shalt make a mercy seat. 
Now, this, all this stuff you're going to need for what I'm getting ready to tell you. A mercy seat of pure gold that you're going to put on top of that. Say it with me. A mercy seat of pure gold. Now, when I say that, they told us the dimensions. I'm not going there, but there's some dimensions of the gold, how thick it had to be, because it had to cover the mercy seat. The mercy had to cover the ark. And, and, and it had to cover the ark because it, the word mercy means forgiveness. So the mercy represented what? Forgiveness. So the high priest would go in once a year and take the blood on the tip of his finger and he would drop it on the mercy seat to remind God of forgiveness of sins. He did it once a year. But that's where you put it at. He put the blood right on top of the mercy seat. And on the mercy, on the, on the gold, on the mercy, the gold that was the mercy over, over, overlapping the, the, the casket because this casket represents Christ's death, death, and resurrection. All right. So when he put the blood there, but he had to put it between the two cherubims. Two cherubims represented something. Now I'm going to get me two young men over here. I see one over that side over there. And you, you in the middle, you all about the same height. The orange on and with the your, son, your, your, your grandson there. You two guys come. I want to use these two guys. All right. I'm going to use them as my cherubims. <clears throat> because we had, <clears throat> we had two cherubims. One on each side. Now, the two cherubims, you can face one another. The two cherubims represent the two angels. Now, they had to always be here. So you had the two, said two cherubims. These are angels. So you had cherubims, seraphims, and you had other angels. I don't want to get into it, but you had like seven groups of angels. But these are the cherubims. Cherubims always stood in the presence of God. Let me put it this way. Cherubim always is over the house of God. Cherubims always protects the presence of the Lord that's in the house of God. See, if y'all knew who I was, I, I couldn't even go no further in this service. If the people would know what I'm saying and know who they are, you would know why they're standing there. All right. All right. But that's what the cherubim for. See, a lot of people feel the presence of the Lord. They be feeling, they think somebody around them. They don't realize they are. They have to guard the presence of the Lord. They have to guard the house of the Lord. Let me move on. You'll get it later. Now, these two guys right here are cherubim. They're angels. They're holy creatures from God. Now, I'm not going to have them to do it, but I, if they could. These guys are seated inside, welded inside, made beaten inside like beaten work, inside of the mercy seat, and they stretch forth their wings toward one another like this. So if you can do that for me, just stretch your arms out. Come as closer to this as you can and stretch your arms out. All right. That's always over the mercy seat. So they never moved. When they built these things, they put them right inside of the gold, and they are made of gold themselves. 
and their wings are always pointed toward one another. The high priest will go in there underneath them wings and drop. Now last Sunday, I closed with Psalm 91. And I asked you, did, it, what, did you know what it means? He that dwelleth in the secret place. Well, 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 who is that? That's us. It was about Christ, but we are the body of Christ. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Or he that dwelleth under the shadow. What, what are you dwelling under? The shadows of, right, under, under those wings, right? With his wings. See, if you read Psalm 91, I would, you would have no problem. You would know what I'm talking about. All right, so that's another thing you got to do this week. Read it again. All right, all right, you can have, let your home down. Okay, but that's what he was talking about. Now, this, this is what I'm getting ready to read. Uh, I'm back to Exodus chapter number. Uh, would you guys need a seat to sit down? You okay? okay. You okay? All right, that's why I got young men here, so they can sit. <laughs> Be me and Bible, we got to have a seat, Bible. All right. So me and Bible, we, we know what we're talking about, right, Bob? All right. Now watch what he says in verse 16 again. That's what we had on the screen, verse 16. And verse 16, and thou shalt put in the ark, in here, the testimony which I shall give thee, which was the Ten Commandments uh, in the law. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold and put over top. And then verse number 18 says, and thou shalt make two cherubim, that's these guys, of gold, beaten work, shall thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. So they had to be built right inside so they had never moved because they were cherubims. Verse 19 said, make one cherubim on one end, and verse 20 said, make another cherubim on another end. Verse 21, we're going to go down there. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark, on top of the ark, or shitting wood. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee, which was the Ten Commandments. And there, watch it, and there I will meet with you. This is where God would meet with them. He, his presence will come down. Put your, put your arms back out again. God's presence will always hover over the mercy seat. See, some of you in here probably said, Pastor, man, I feel the presence of God up on me all the time. His presence is always over the mercy seat. The mercy seat is Christ's precious blood that lives in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit in you. And that's why God's presence is always up on your life. You feel it up on your head, your ears, your face. And that's what happened here. You'd be like, oh my God. God doing something in you at that time. See, his glory, his glory is filling the temple. His glory is in the place. All right, thank you. Hold your hand back down. Okay. Clap your hand, which is just every now and then. Every now and then. All right. Now, verse 21 said, And thou shalt put, uh, uh, 21, And thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the t testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with you. There I will meet you with you. Not only that, but watch this. I will commune with you. Now, see, this is where they got the word communion. I will commune with you. But the word commune means what? You're speaking to one another, right? The word, the word commune has to do with share with you my thoughts. See, what God does when he comes up on us, 
He shares with us his thoughts. He reveals his word to us. God. See, you need to look at the word communion sometimes. It's going to blow your mind. And you look at the word communion, share one another's thoughts. What do you do when you commune with one another? You are talking to somebody about what's on your heart, right? That's what God does when he comes up on. He shares with us his thoughts. All right. I will commune with you. With the from above the mercy. So he's not, he's only going to do it. So if you don't have the blood of Christ in your heart, you'll never, this will never happen to you. That's why I said, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, this will never happen to you. You're not the house of God. God will never come upon you. He does this because of the mercy seat, the precious blood of Christ come upon the ark. That's why he built the ark so God can dwell with us. So without Christ, God can't dwell with us. All right. Now, I'm showing you that because the next part is going to be the table. Of, I'm going to show you. There's another table of furniture in a different part. This is in the Holy of Holies. All right. Thank you, God. Let's give him a big hand. Thank you. Now, I want, I want to go to the next thing I want to share with you is, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. We want to look at verse 22. I'm only going to have enough time in this service just to show you the three places I gave you one in the ark, and I showed you in this place. Now I'm going to take you to Genesis, and then I'm going to take you to John chapter 20, and I'm going to see, do you have it? Did you get it? Did you get it? All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. When I get to, when I get to the last one, I'm going to ask you the question. My question is going to be is, where's the tree of life? Write that down. I'm giving you all this information. And then when I get to the end of my message, I'm going to ask you a question. End of my message today, I'm going to ask you a question. Where's the tree of life? Don't forget the question. All right, we're going to Genesis now. Chapter 3, and we're going to look at the last four verses, I think. 22 through 25, something like that. Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. And the Lord says, are you there? And the Lord says, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the what? Tree of life, eat and live forever. Where was the tree of life in Genesis? In the midst of the garden. Don't just say in the garden, say in the midst of the garden. In the midst of the garden is in the midst of the heart. That's why I said the midst, the heart is in the midst. In the midst of the garden. All right, so it was like the heart. Uh, God lived in the garden. So that's why Christ is going to have to die in the garden. Why die in the garden? Because, no, it wasn't there. And in the end, he's going to make, put it there. Why do Christ, why do God put Christ in our hearts? Now, Brother Wade gave me the answer this morning. Why do God put Christ in our heart? Because your heart was dead. And God had to put Christ in your dead heart and bring forth new life. So he planted Christ. That's Ephesians 3.17. He planted Christ in our hearts. See, our heart was dead. We were dead in sins and trespasses. 
So our heart was dead. So when God put Christ in our heart, when he would, when he would, when he would raise the seed, that's why nobody can be saved without the seed, Galatians 3.16. So when people tell you, oh, I'm baptized in water in Jesus' name, be saved. You can't, it's impossible. It's just like telling my wife if she wants another Renee or another daughter or son, just go get water and baptize in Jesus' name. She's still not going to get no more children. I don't care how many times you get water baptized. I mean, that, if, when people hear that, they, they'll laugh. But at the same time, people are doing it every Sunday until you're getting born again. People are going to churches, filling churches, they're packed. And they tell them, all you're going to do is get water baptized. Just put that in the tray this morning. All that person won't get water baptized. They want to receive Christ. No, that's what you believe happened when you're water baptized. You can't get saved without the seed. Galatians 3.16, put it on the screen. It'll tell you there's only one seed in the Bible. Read it out. Read it off to me. I can't see it good. Read it off to me. Now to Abraham and to his seed is the promise made. He said not unto seeds with an ass, but unto many. Un you probably reading them. You're going back and reading it all over again. I'm down at the end down there. And, and to thy seed, which is what? Christ. Christ. What, what is the, the, who is the seed in this Bible? There's only one seed in the Bible. And that's Christ. So what God have to do, he have to put, put Ephesians 3.17 up there now. So when you get born again, what did God do? He put the seed in your heart. He put Christ in your heart. So when God put Christ in your heart and then Christ is risen, then what happened, you, what happened to your soul? It was made alive. We are risen with, with Christ. It's no different if I put a seed in the ground. Everything I'm looking for will come up with the seed. You want pears, peaches, plums? I got plums for you today. One a piece. They did that big snack. The snack when you leave church today. What if I put if I put a, if I put a seed in the ground, then all the fruit will come up with the seed. So God knew how to get us risen with Christ. He put His Son, His seed in the ground, and whoop, there we come. We were risen with Christ. We are the new creations. Can you see it now? See, I was created with Christ. See, I was created in Christ. Right, so that's what Ezekiel meant when I gave you last week. God said, I give you a new heart. I give you a new spirit. How did he do it? He put Christ, the new man, in my old dead heart, and it brought forth the new man and a new soul. I'm a new creation. How many can see that? You're a new creation. You don't have an old soul when you're born in the spirit. Your soul was dead. God had to give you a new life. He gave you new life. He gave you a new soul. Ezekiel told us that, right? All right. 36, 11, 36, 26, all those chapters you can read. All right, but I got to finish this. I gave, you, I gave you the garden. He drove the man out of the garden. Let's go back. Genesis chapter 3, verse 23. 22 says, except he take up the tree of life, eat and live forever. If he take up the tree of life, he would eat, live forever. I said, if he take up the tree of life, he would eat 
and live forever. Say it. Take of the tree of life. Eat. Live forever. Right. It didn't say anything about water baptism, did it? Can you see why people are dying going to hell? By thousands. And verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent the man from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. Why did he put him out? Watch this. So he drove the man out of the garden. He placed at the east of the garden cherubim and a flaming sword that turneth every which way. Why did he do it? To keep the way of the tree of life. So they could not get back to the tree of life. How is God going to get man to eat of that tree? Where is that tree of life now? So he, he showed you a type. This ark is a type. He showed you where the tree of life at. The only way man going to get back in that garden, now he's not talking about you getting back in the garden because you wasn't kicked out of the garden. See, we think Adam is us. That's not you. That's Christ. Adam got put out of the garden. How Adam going to get back in the garden? That's why Paul said the first man is of the earth earthly. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. The first man brought forth the woman. The second man, the woman brought forth the man. Hope you hear what I'm saying. In Genesis, Adam came from the woman. Adam birthed Eve. But in the new covenant, it was just the opposite. Eve birthed Adam, birthed Christ. And so you have to understand what happened. That's why you had to be buried with him. That's Romans chapter 6. I'm not going there right now. You had to be buried with Christ so you could be risen with Christ. So we have to understand what happened in the garden. God was bringing forth his new creation. So he gave you three different things. He gave you the one in Genesis. And he shows you the cherubims on each end. Then he took you down there to show you that with Moses. Build, it, build me an ark. Put the mercy seat here. Peel gold. Put the, build the cherubim right into the mercy seat. And that is where I will speak with you. But I can't speak with you except there's some blood. So the mercy seat means what? I have received Christ's blood. What does the mercy seat mean? I have received Christ's blood. So if you have God, only way God could save us, he had to have mercy on us. That's why the old covenant people sang over and over and over, his mercy endure forever. His mercy endure forever. I would bless the Lord at all times. His mercy. Why? Because if God didn't put his mercy on the top of that mercy seat, he couldn't talk to us no more. So the only reason God can talk to you is because mercy is on you. I'm giving you something if you can receive it. The only reason God can speak to you, the only reason you can hear his voice, you may, oh, I know he never talked to me. You don't have the mercy, maybe. Maybe, maybe you don't have the mercy. You got to stop blaming people and get yourself in the face of God and say, Lord, I want your mercy. You can't get his grace without his mercy. God Almighty. What God has in the box. 
Somebody said the price is right. Yeah, see everything God has for you in the box. I'm not going to give you no more. They're going to be on my next teaching. We'll start right here. First Corinthians chapter number 15. My God. Can you get along a big hand? Can you stand up on your feet? Can you stand up with me? Come on, stand up with me. Thank God with this together. Thank God for his death, burial, and resurrection. Can, can you do that? First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received and where you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that, he was seen of above 500 brothers at once. Yes, Christ has already died, already buried, already raised again from the dead. That's what's in the box. And the only way we can get what's in the box, we had to have the mercy on top of the box. And we could not have the mercy, God's mercy, until Christ go to the cross. When Christ went to the cross, God gave us his mercy. Receive it through his precious blood so you don't have to die and go to hell. My time is up. The door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.